Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, so we're going to continue this series uh, called Essentials. Um, and it's interesting because um, I'll have this like you know direction that I feel like the Lord's going to lead us uh, in a series. And then it's like the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, nope, I want you to do this. And uh, that was kind of last week, and it's definitely this week, and it wasn't what I thought uh, I was going to speak on, but that's okay. That's what the Lord does, because he knows uh, what we need uh, better than we know what we need. And so, um, so we're going to dive in today. All right. Uh, I grew up in the 90s. Any 90s kids in the house? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. And uh, the 90s were amazing uh, because I lived in Chicago, and the Chicago Bulls were amazing in the 90s, okay? Yes, yes. Look, I got this authentic, this is true 92 championship shirt on today. Um, For me, growing up in the 90s, it was just normal for the Bulls to win. It was just what happened. They were amazing. Uh, anybody watch The Last Dance, the documentary? Just incredible. Um, I mean, like, I, in junior high and high school, the only thing I could think about is that we have Michael Jordan, and we're better than everybody, okay? Like, nobody has a chance, okay? And, um, and it was just the normal. And, um, and it was the normal until... It just all stopped one day. Um, I remember the year of the last dance, and it was a big deal in Chicago. And, um, you know, I remember Jordan hitting that shot to win the sixth championship. And, like, in me, I was so pumped and so excited. But there was also something in me that was like, this is the end. (laughs) Why, God? You know what I mean? And, um, and I was so excited until uh, the next season, and we won, I think, 24 games the next season, and, and I've been praying uh, hard and fasting for the Chicago Bulls ever since, okay? And, um, and so today, um, I want to talk about this idea called the new normal, okay? If you're taking notes, you can put, write down the new normal, okay? Because it was the normal for the Bulls to win until Jordan left. And then everything changed. And this is how I felt on March 11th, 2020. Um, I don't know where it was for you in March, but everybody has this like moment in March last year where you're like, the world changed. And uh, I remember I was watching, uh, I think it was a, either a TNT or ESPN broadcast. It was a basketball game. Utah, Utah Jazz was playing. And I remember, um, like, the game had started, and then they, like, just, like, ended the game. And they were like, everybody go home. And, and we're just shutting it down. And I remember, like, what in the world is going on? And I remember, like, I flipped over to Fox News, and that same night was the night that President Trump was shutting down travel and shutting down airports and I remember I you know looking at Jess kind of like like bewildered, like, what is really happening? And I remember I said to Michael, because like a few days later, they like canceled school and Michael got out of school, and I was like, oh, you'll be back in school in like a week. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, everything, everything will be back to normal in like a week. Like this is just dumb, you know? And uh, I had no idea. I had no idea that. On that day, the world as we know, once knew, just ended. And the truth is this. We could talk for days about COVID. We could talk for days about political issues. We could talk for days about social unrest. We could talk for days about masks or no masks. We could talk for days about vaccines. We could talk for days about sexual identity. We could talk for days about why perversion is allowed on Pornhub, but Dr. Seuss is being canceled. We could talk for days about all of these things. But the question is this. 
Do you feel it? And then the question is, do you feel what? Do you feel the intensity of hell in the earth right now? Let me share this verse with you. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 uh, in the Passion, then 4 through 5 in the NLT. It says this, But I need you to be aware that in the final days, culture and society will become extremely fierce. Isn't that what we're living in right now? People want to argue all the time. Are we living in the end days? I'm like, man, we're so close. We're just so close. And that should not bring fear to any of us in this room. That should bring excitement and joy that we are going to see Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay? Verse 2. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, obsessed with money. They will boast about great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their families, become ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful, malicious slander. Goes on to say this, slaves to their own desires. They will become furious haters of what is good and right. Isn't it interesting how just normal good things is under attack right now? Just normal things you go, that's just good. This is right. It's just being attacked. Verse four, they will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than love God. They will act religious. I, I, man, this is such a, like, like, they will act religious. They will look like followers of Jesus, but he's wanting us to know that even though they look like Jesus, it means this. They said, they'll reject the power that could make them godly. Hell understands what? What's at stake? We're talking about two things that hell understands. Hell understands souls. If you think Jesus is fighting for souls, so is hell. Fighting for your soul. Fighting for souls to grab their soul. And Hell's also fighting this thing called time. Because if you think that you know the word, I promise you the devil knows it 10 times better than you do. He knows what God said. And the Lord said, Jesus said, you will know the season and the time that you're in. You'll be able to look around and just go, oh, I get it. Just like we're going into spring Hallelujah. It's going to be 68 degrees today. Thank you, God. Right? So you go outside and you're like, man, spring is here. Jesus said you can discern the seasons, but you can't discern the times that you're in. Hell understands what's at stake right now. It's the end. And hell's intensity and fire is raging. Truth is, there's many days where I'm just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just angry. Uh, I don't know if you were privileged to see my outburst of anger on Instagram that was on there for like maybe 10 minutes before Jessica, my wife, called me and told me to take it down, okay? I went to Chipotle yesterday, ordered a quesadilla, I was told you cannot order quesadillas inside the store, but only online. But I replied and said, but you have all the ingredients right in front of you to make me a quesadilla, but you refuse to make me a quesadilla. And then I went on Instagram and just talked about how stupid the world was. I'm angry some days. I mean, like the other day, we went, we went to uh, Chewy's. Anybody love some queso at Chewy's? Oh, Lord, Jesus. Okay. It will mess me up for days, but I don't even care, okay? <laughs> we're at Chewy's. We're eating some food as a family. My 11-year-old son, middle son, says to me, this is a real question. He goes, Dad, is our waiter a boy or a girl? 
legit question. Just the world we live in. And, and listen, I'm not here to throw shade on that person. Hear me out. Because we're here to love everybody. Let's just make this abundantly clear. Like, I'm not, I, I, listen, because I was the same person like I was talking about at the end of worship. Do you, church people judged me hard. I remember, the, I remember the Sunday, I don't know. I, I, it wasn't even my notes, but I remember this. I remember the Sunday I came to church because I just thought you had to go to church. And I was still drunk from the night before, and I passed out on the front row at church. No joke. This is a real story. So, like, I was that person that really needed Jesus. So I'm not throwing shade on anybody, but, but I get, it's just, the world's crazy. There's days that I get sad. I just get sad. There's days where I, I'm just like, I'm done. You know, like, it's okay for strip clubs and abortion centers and bars. They're all essential, but the church is supposed to shut down. It's okay, go to strip club, but don't go to church. It's a super spreader. Yeah, it's a super spreader of hope and joy and love and peace and the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what it spreads. And when I look at church history, whenever the world was on fire, the church was open. Not shutting down. Somebody said to me, what, what would happen if like, the government got mad at you? I said, they can come arrest me. I'll preach the gospel in jail. I'm going to preach the gospel. It don't matter where I'm at. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to give hope. But we're going to be open. And listen, I understand that there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of craziness. There's a lot of injustice in the world. I get it all. But at some point, you got to ask yourself, what are you saying, Lord? Because everybody else is talking real loud. Everybody else has an opinion. Everybody else is telling you how you should think. They don't want you to think anymore. They don't want you to have a mind that processes like God gave you to process good and evil, right and wrong. They just want to tell you what to do. So at some point, something has to rise up and go, Lord, what are you saying? Because this is what I know about God. No matter what season we're in, in the earth, he wants you to win. No matter what season. Let me prove it to you. John 10.10 says this. A thief's only purpose is one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. If I've ever seen the devil, I've seen him in this season. He's going to get people one way or the other. I have a great friend in the church. This young man he mentored for years. He got so isolated. Killed himself the other day. The enemy has one purpose in mind. To destroy your life. But, but Jesus says this. This is what Jesus says. He said, but I have come to give you everything in abundance. I remember the first time I read that and the Lord goes, I'll bless everything if you'll trust me with everything. He said, I'll bless your finances. I'll bless your home. I'll bless your kids. I'll bless your job. I'll bless everything you touch if you just surrender to me. He said, more than you can expect Life in its fullness until you overflow. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. We are called to win no matter what season of the earth it is. I remember January 6th. It's the day of the Capitol incident. And I remember I went to bed that night. And I want to make sure everybody understands where I'm at. I am not on the end of like the crazy conspiracy people, okay? I mean, you can find a conspiracy about anything, okay? But I'm not 
dumb also, right? And sometimes two plus two still equals four, no matter what somebody says about that, okay? All right? But I went to bed that night, and I thought, I, I just can't process this. Do you ever have a moment like that where you're like, my, my, my brain, my, I just can't process, it's just too much. I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted. I remember I went to bed that night, I just, I said this to the Lord before I went to sleep. I said, Lord, I can't process this, so I need you to give me a dream. Give me a dream. Because God gives people dreams. There's like dreams all through the Bible. God gave prophetic dreams and wisdom and insight through dreams. And I said, Lord, I need a dream. I need to understand what's going on. And I remember that night, I dreamt the most vivid dream. And in the dream, the Lord took me back to where I grew up. I, uh, my mom and dad split up when I was young. I grew up with my grandparents. They both passed away uh, when I was 11 and then when I was 12. Um, and then I went and lived with my aunt and uncle. My aunt and uncle lived on this old farmhouse that they remodeled. And uh, we had like, I don't know, like 15 acres of land. And like they would most of the days just be like, go get lost in the woods and come back when it's dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was like the uh, MO. And so, but living on the farm, uh, there was just a lot of work. And there's a lot of grass to cut, and there's just a lot of chores and a lot of things to do. And uh, my aunt and uncle also um, had this cleaning business. So like Saturday mornings, I'd be up at like 5 a.m. at this trash company called BFI Cleaning Toilets. Just the worst life you could ever live, okay? And uh, I remember in the dream, I'm watching myself in the dream doing all these things. And in the dream, the Lord has me and he goes, I needed you to have this season in my dream. He goes, I needed you to learn how to work hard. I needed you to learn how to have grit. Isn't grit something special about people who have grit in life? He said, I needed you to learn how to have endurance. And then I woke up. Have you ever like woken up and you're like, I know what God's telling me now. And I woke up that morning and the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm going to use everything from this season for my glory. Oh, I should have got a way better amen on that, okay? Listen, God doesn't bring sickness. Let's make this abundantly clear, okay? I can't stand when somebody goes, well, the Lord gave them cancer. No, the Lord did not give them cancer. He is not the author of death and sickness. He is the author of life, okay? So God didn't bring this, the thing that I know, because I've lived it with the Lord, God will use every circumstance, even evil circumstances, and he'll change it for his good. He'll use it for his good. So when he said, I'm going to use it to bring my glory, I understand what glory means. The word glory translated from the Aramaic means this, face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus. So the Holy Spirit was telling me that morning, I'm going to use this whole entire season to bring people into face-in-face -face encounters with me. Amen? Okay? A couple weeks later, I was praying. I was, Lord, give me a revelation of the season. And you remember, he told me very clearly, he said, the United States will never be what you thought it was. Ever again. And he said, you're going to live in a new normal. It's hard to let go, isn't it? It's hard to let go of perspectives. It's hard to let go of how you see things. And I remember that was a hard thing. So then the question comes to then, Lord, how do we win in this new normal then? Right? How do we disciple in this new normal and season in the earth. And so I want to give us some perspective today. Point number one is this, okay? You become responsible for your own spiritual growth in Jesus. You become responsible for your own growth in Jesus. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. This is Jesus. This is his words. Jesus said to all of his followers, 
If you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely, embrace the cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. When was the last time that you heard a church commercial where they go, hey, I want to invite you to Elevate Church. I want to invite you to be completely, radically obedient to Jesus, to surrender your life, to grab onto the cross of Jesus Christ, and to follow him. I'll see you on Sunday. Never. Why? This doesn't sell. Verse 24, if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you'll discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you'll lose what you've tried to keep. Even if you gain all the wealth and power of this world and everything it could offer you, yet lose your soul. What good is that? I remember as a youth pastor, like fighting, fighting parents. They'd be like, we're sending our kid to four-year like university, you know, we're sending them off. And, and I'd be like, do you know what you're sending them to? Do you really understand what you're sending your kid to? You're sending your kids to like people that believe in Marxism. You're sending your kids to people that are going to brainwash them to believe that like Jesus just is not existent. And I, and I get the whole like idea of like you got to stand up and you got to like fight for your faith. But like there's nobody around them to support them. And I would fight with these parents and be like, you're just throwing them to the wolves. And they'd be like, but they're going to get a college education and they're going to get this job. And I'm like, is that job worth them losing their soul? And listen, I understand you need education. I am pro-education. Me and Drew Keller talk about this all the time. Don't throw your money away at the big university. Stay at home. Don't go in debt. Go to local colleges. There's lots of ways that you can get your education. Amen? Verse 26. So why are you ashamed of being my disciples? I, the Son of Man, will return in my radiant brilliance, with my holy angels in splendor and majesty to the Father. On that day, Jesus says, on that day. There's so many places in the Word where the Word says, on that day, because it's going to be a day. There's two a days. There's a day that the church is raptured. People always want to argue with me about the rapture of the church. I'm like, let's go back to the Old Testament before the grace of God. I mean, God couldn't bring his wrath and judgment upon, uh, upon the people of Sodom and Gomorrah until he got Lot out. He had to get the righteous out. Just like the story of Noah. People always go, well, Noah was part of the flood, but did a raindrop ever hit Noah's head? God had to protect the righteous. God's going to get the righteous out of here before the crazy, crazy, crazy happens. Read Revelation. It gets real crazy, okay? It's like movie crazy. So there's a day that that's going to happen, and then there's a day of the second coming of Christ. He says, on that day, I will be ashamed of everyone who has been ashamed of me. So let's, let's walk through this, okay? Let's walk through what Jesus said, okay? Don't get mad at me. I didn't say it, all right? Jesus said it. Number one is this. He said, if you truly desire to be my disciple, the question is then posed, what is a disciple? What's a disciple of Jesus? I wrote this down. This is my definition. Someone who is disciplining their life to look more like Jesus. I'll say that again. Someone who is disciplining their life to look more like Jesus. Okay? I don't know if you figured this out, but your flesh never wants to do the right thing. Um, our youngest son, Luke, he's six. And if we allowed him, 
He would eat McDonald's cookies and drink McDonald's Coke every day of his life, all day, every day, every day, all day, all day, all day. Okay? He is, I mean, he is cookie monster. Okay? I mean, his life revolves around eating McDonald's cookies or break and bake cookies at the house. Okay? He loves cookies. Now, as a parent, it's our job to do what? Discipline him and teach him a different way. Okay? But you have to understand that as we discipline him, we're not disciplining him because we're angry and frustrated at him. We're just trying to show him that there is a better way to life. Okay? So, listen, I understand this about raising kids. So, if you are a parent or you're going to be a parent someday, you need to tune in right now. Okay? I understand this that unless I teach Luke, to listen and obey and follow Jessica and I as the leaders of his life. Unless he gets that in this season of his life, it will become so hard for him to listen and obey and follow Jesus when he becomes an adult. This is how God designed it. Whenever adults struggle following In listening to the Lord, I always go, there's a root issue from when they were growing up. Something happened in that home. So it's our job to raise him up, right? It's our job. The word says that it goes from generation to generation. We take the word of God. We take the things of God and we give it from generation to generation. But the problem is this, that back in the late 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, the mid-2000s, during this time, church became more about becoming churchgoers. That's what church became about. Church became more like a self-help group. Like, I'm going to go and hear something that will give me self-help this week. Or it became more about entertaining people. How do I know? Because I sat in those meetings. I worked during this time. It was like, how can we entertain them? How can we, and this was the big word for a long time, how can we win them? Right? So like companies, they want to win your attention. They want to win your affection. They want to win you over. The problem is this. When you win somebody over, then you have to sustain that relationship the way you won them over. So we were trying to win people to Jesus, and it was never about how can we make disciples. I never heard Jesus say, go win. I heard Jesus say, go make disciples of the nations. Go make disciples. See, the problem is this. The issues of today demand black and white answers. There's just no middle ground anymore. There's no just churchgoer, middle ground, gray area anymore. Today, it's either you are all in for Jesus or you are all not in for Jesus. But if you are all in for Jesus, I promise you it's going to cost you something. second thing Jesus said was this. You must disown your life completely and embrace my cross. So Monday morning, I woke up and I felt the Holy Spirit. I just felt them going, I want to talk. And it's Monday morning and I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And I'm like, we'll talk later. (laughs) Go away. You ever done that with the Lord? He like comes knocking at the door of your heart. And you're like, you're rocking, you're rocking the wrong door, Lord. Like, go down the street. Go to Billy's house. Not my house today, okay? Billy needs you, okay? And uh, so I just kind of pushed it off. And I was like, I'll just get on Instagram, kind of zone out, you know, that morning. So I get on Instagram, and I see this post by one of my old uh, pastors, mentors, a great friend of mine. We're going to have him come to the church someday. Love him so much. Hey, go ahead and show this post for me. Wherever you're at in life, whatever good thing has happened to you, however much success you have experienced, 
What has got you here will not get you there. In order for you to step into a new season and be successful, you have to step into a new nature. The, the sacrifice of killing your old nature is necessary. It is of a paramount importance. Your new nature, this new season, your assignment will not allow your old nature. You can't walk into a new season and still be having your old ways active and alive. Isn't that a good word? Really good word. And so I see this post. And again, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I know about this. I've preached messages about you got to give up to go up. Right? Can I get an amen for that? But it's the truth. I mean, you want a good marriage, you're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to put on some rubber gloves and clean a toilet. Right? You have to take your spouse on a date night. You're going to have to put that person first. You're going to have to give up some things. But I'm having this moment with the Lord, like, I just, I don't want to hear this. So I go through my day. I get to the end of the day. And I'm standing in the mirror at the end of the night. And the Holy Spirit says to me, do you remember baseball? I'm like, yeah, why do you have to bring that up? I was terrible at baseball, okay? Like, awful. Like, and I'm like a pretty good, just general athlete, okay? Like, I can play basketball. I can play some golf. I'm not, you know, a great golfer, but I can play. But baseball, I am just terrible at baseball, okay? I mean, like, just struck out all the time. Just, just terrible. And, uh, and the Lord goes, do you remember baseball in being nine? I'm like, yeah, Lord, I do. When, when I was nine, I was playing baseball, and um, I struck out all the time. So I literally had this thought as a nine-year-old. I'm going to go up to the batter's box, and I'm not going to swing at anything, and he's going to walk me because these pitchers aren't good enough to really strike me out. So I'm just going to let him walk me, and I'm going to get on base, right? And so this is my, my thought pattern. So I get up there, pitch after pitch after pitch, get to a full count, and I'm thinking, here we go. This is my moment. I'm going to get walked. I'm actually going to get on base today. My coach is going to be so happy, okay? And sure enough, the ball comes, and it goes right on the outside edge. And I just, you know, I'm like ready to take my walk. And he goes, strike, you know what I mean? And I lost my mind, okay? My nine-year-old mind went red, Okay? And I had a Tommy Lasorda moment. And I am, I'm like, I am going to tell this grown adult what I really think of him right now. I'm going to let him know. My, my coach is yelling at me. My uncle, like, everybody's like, get off the field. I'm like, just yelling at this guy. Finally, I'm like starting to walk away. And I, I can't remember. I, I really wish I could. I can't remember. But the umpire said something to me like as I was walking away. And I turned around and looked at him, and I had a metal baseball bat in my hand, and I chucked it and hit him with my metal baseball bat, okay? I was like, I don't care if I'm nine years old. Nobody's talking to me like that, you know what I mean? I, mean, I just had one of those moments in life, you know? Who gets kicked out of a baseball league? I got kicked out of the whole entire league, okay? Not a game, the league, at nine years old, okay? Nine, nine years old, okay? So I'm standing in the mirror with the Lord. You know what the Lord says? Stop throwing your bat. Pick up your cross and follow me, Jeff. In these moments where you're angry and you're tired and you're frustrated, stop throwing your bat. I need you to follow me. Next day, a friend of mine, uh, we talk about mission stuff all the time. We've been talking about what's happening in Iran. I don't know if you're familiar with what's happening in Iran, but the Iran church is the fastest growing church in the world right now. It's just, it's just growing exponentially. In the most Muslim part of the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ is just thriving. Just thriving. 
And, and we're talking about this, and he says, hey, I'm going to send you this, uh, this documentary about what's happening in the church I ran. And he sent it to me, and, and I'm watching it. And they start sharing this story about this young girl. Um, and the only thing that she can remember her entire life is just growing up being raped. And, um, man, Zach. And sometimes they don't get the full Bible. Those get pages of the Bible. And she got some pages of the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter three. She sees how, you know, Adam and Eve fall was that God still forgave them and had grace on them? You know, God could have just pressed the reset button at that moment. But he still loved Adam and Eve. He still cared about them. And she came away with this perspective. If, if God can forgive Adam and Eve after God gave Adam and Eve everything and they failed, but God still forgave them. If God can forgive Adam and Eve, then I can forgive my father who has raped me my entire life. She is responsible for her own growth in Jesus Christ. She owns her relationship with Jesus. You, you become somebody who stewards the word of God. You steward it. And, and the word of God isn't something that you read just for information. I mean, I, people want to tear apart the word of God and debate it and philosophize about it. I'm like, how about we just read it and allow it to transform us? How about we just read it and we just become more like Jesus? How about we just, just take God for who he is and what he actually said and stop putting our own twists and our own theories and our own perspectives on what God said? Let God be God. The third thing that Jesus said was this. If you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will discover true life. But the question is, what is true life? When Jesus says, you'll find true life, well, what is true life? Because we all have this very American view of life. We all have this very, you know, Western view of life. And, um, and let me say this. I, I, like, God understands that you live in America and he's not upset that you live in America. Okay? Like he's, he's not upset at that. But what is true life? To me, there are two camps in the church world that see life very, very differently. Okay? The first camp, they don't live for eternity, okay? And I'll explain this. The first camp, these people love the story about Jesus and his grace. And I do too. I didn't grow up in, in, in hearing a lot about the grace of God. I didn't grow up hearing a lot about uh, the mercy of God. Like for me, it was like hellfire and brimstone. Like when I was growing up, we had this thing every year. It was called to hell and back. They would like, they would decorate our entire church as hell, okay? When you are like seven years old, it's the scariest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. You walk into church on Sunday, you're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? And then, you know, they would have like, you know, scenes from hell and all these things. I remember just like being at the end of service, being like, I don't want to go there. I'll do anything not to go there, you know? So, like church for me growing up was a lot scary. And I'm so thankful that I'm not that. And I don't live in that. I'm so thankful for like that there's grace and God is good. And I understand this, this perspective of who Jesus really is. 
But there's this group of people that want the grace of God, but they don't want life change. See, the grace of God empowers me to become more like him. It empowers me to let go of things. It empowers me. Like, I, I love it. Like, after first service, I prayed with this gentleman. He was like, I'm just struggling with anger. And I'm like, praise God, because God's going to empower you to overcome anger. Like, he empowers us to overcome. Jesus didn't die, bleed on the cross so that we could just be selfish people that go, just God, just bless me and forgive me, but let me do whatever I want to do. That's not why he died. He died so that we could find a new life in him. So there's this group of people that are in this camp, and in this camp, they have no commitment really to Jesus. They don't give. They don't serve. They don't sacrifice. They just, they're just in that, in that place. Real uncommittal. But then there's this other group of people. And these people are disciples. Mm. They're disciples of Jesus. And these people walk around and they're just like, I'm just in love with Jesus. They're always talking about it. They're always talking about how much they love him. They're always talking about how excited they are about the kingdom. They're always talking about what Jesus showed them. They're always talking about how they loved on somebody. They're always talking about how they had the opportunity to serve. They're always talking about how they had the opportunity to give. They're always talking about all of these things. They're 100% committed, not 100% perfect, but they're 100% committed to Jesus. They give first. It's not the last thing they do. It's the first thing they do. They serve like Jesus serves. Listen, these people, I love these people because they walk into the church all the time and they're like, I, I know I just showed up here, but show me where to sign up to serve because I just want to serve Jesus. There's disciples. They think there is no sacrifice too big. Reading the story of this woman in Iran, her and her husband, every day, they pray before they leave the house. And, and she knows and she understands that every day that she's going out and she's going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because this is just like, I, I, don't, I don't get it like, I don't even understand it. I want to go see it for myself because in other countries and other nations, like when people get saved, they tell everybody. Like they tell everybody. And so her and her husband every day have this conversation because she knows, she knows that if she's caught for sharing about Jesus, that she is going to get beaten and raped. And this has already happened to her multiple times. And she says in this like testimony, her and her husband go, it's okay, my body, I will sacrifice it for Jesus Christ. It's not my own. Oh my gosh. What's interesting to me is this, everyone in both groups both different categories have the same language, the same testimony. Worship team, you guys can come on up. In, in the first group, everybody in that group, in that category, you'll hear these same things said all the time. I'm, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy. Uh, life's just so busy. We've got so many things going on. I'm just, I'm, I'm too busy for this kind of commitment. Or, or you'll hear things like, I don't make enough money to give. I just, I, I, I just don't make enough money to give. I can't give. Or I, I got burned serving somewhere else. I got burned with another place, and I, I just I can't serve. I, I just got burned. Or you hear things like, you know, I'm committed to Jesus. I'm just not committed to a, a church. I'm always like, okay. That's how you see it. 
they'll always say things like, they're just asking too much. But the second group, the second group, here's what you hear with that group all the time. I love Jesus. How can I help? I had a couple last weekend. They've come to Elevate twice. They're from Arkansas. They just moved from Arkansas. They looked at me last Sunday and said, what can we do? How can we help? How can I serve? I'm like, I don't even know you. I have no idea who you are. But thank God for you. Thank God for you. I'm, I, I'm gonna get to know you. People in this group, they're always putting Jesus first. They put Jesus first with their finances. You know why? Because these people are disciples and they live for eternity and they're not living for this life. They live for what's beyond this life. And I love this life. I love being alive. I love my family. I love what I get to do with my life. But mark my words, I live waiting to see Jesus. Like, I want to be with him. I will give up everything to be with him. I want to be with Jesus. These people in this group, they always say this, I'm just so blessed. I'm so blessed. My job's blessed, my family's blessed. I say this all the time. Show me anybody inside of Elevate Church that gives, they tithe, they serve, they put Jesus first, they follow Jesus, they're a disciple of Jesus. You show me any of these people and every one of them would say, hands down, there's no way I would ever go back to my old life. No way. I'm so blessed, I'm so happy. Do I have bad days like everybody else? Yes, but Jesus is with me. He's not here right now, but there's a young man in our church, his name's Adam. He's sang on stage a, bu a bunch of times. We love him, Adam Gabbard. And uh, we met Adam when he was 19 years old. And he was a true 19-year-old, a true, just green 19-year-old. But I remember even at 19, we would be in the car and he would tell me, he'd go, I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus. I love people that love Jesus. I love people that love Jesus. Because you know what they are in the hands of God? They're just clay that he just molds and shapes. And I remember, this is like five years ago. I just could see that God was gonna take him on this great journey of him becoming like Jesus. And so like, it's probably four weeks ago, we get done with service and he comes up and he goes, I know we're short for the project for the girls in Cambodia and the, you know, all the, all the stuff we're doing in the correctional facilities and the online and I know we're short financially. So the Lord told me to sow a gift. And he, and he, so he sowed a gift, like he sowed like a big gift. Now I won't say how much, but it was a lot. And he's just a young man, single young man. And he gave it to me. He's like, I'm just so excited about what Jesus is doing. And then sure enough, the next week he lost his job. Lost his job. He called me. I said, Adam, you're completely fine. It wasn't 30 days later. He had a better job that paid him more than the job he had. You can't outgive God. You can't outdo God. You can't outdo him. How do we live in this new normal? I'll tell you how we live in this new normal. Radical obedience to Jesus. I'm going to date myself right now when I say what I'm going to say. But back when I was growing up, there was this group called DC Talk. I got any DC Talk people in my house. And they had this song called Jesus Freak, okay? There's just something true about that. The world doesn't need to see religion. The world doesn't need to see you preach at them. 
the world needs to see you live out Jesus to them. The world needs to, listen, <laughs> I'm gonna just jump into your world right now. That day that I was at Chipotle, well, not Chipotle, but that day at Chewy's where Ben asked me that question, it came time to leave a tip. What do you think the Lord said to me? He didn't say leave $5. Right? Because when you have Jesus on you, it radiates. It radiates. People know. People know. And I want to make Jesus, I want to make, I want to make him shine. So you go, Lord, what, what kind of tip do you have for her? That's your daughter. That's your son. You really love them. <laughs> I'm talking about disciples are radically obedient to Jesus. What do you want, Lord? I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm not going to be perfect, but I am. I am following you, Jesus. That is how we win in this day and time. And that's how we are going to make disciples. People are going to look at you and go, you're just so different. You're so different. Your marriage is different. Your life with your kids are different. The way you work is different. I saw, I saw how... I saw how our boss just ripped you and came down on you and it wasn't right. And I saw how you were honoring to him what he didn't deserve honor. Woo! Man, I'm talking real right now, aren't I? Why don't you stand up this morning? 